Do you like comics? We're here to talk comics. This is the Superhuman Registration Podcast. that as an easter egg at the end of the episode (laughs) quick programming note here the first 20 minutes or so of aldo's audio has vanished steven and i are laughing at a hilarious joke he made while we began our recording uh we probably couldn't have put it in the episode anyway but trust me it was very funny so aldo will join in the conversation in a little bit and be there for the ranking in the second story we read so sit back and relax and enjoy <laughs> peanut butter <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> we're never going to be funnier than that during the actual episode <laughs> We couldn't keep that in the episode anyway. You you were talking about horror movies before I joined the call. Have you seen Godzilla Negative One yet? Or Godzilla Minus One? No, I want to. Is it real good? It's really good. Oh. This is admittedly a low bar. It is the best movie I have seen this year. I did not have it on my 2023 bingo card that a giant monster movie would have me ugly crying in the movie theater but it absolutely in like the best way possible it is one of the hardest movies to watch that i have ever seen like it's not quite grave of the fireflies level of like misery and discomfort but it's kind of getting up to that point and the big difference between this and grave of the fireflies I don't even know if I can talk about this because, like, there's there's an aspect of the the like theme that really gets me, but I worry that getting into it might be a spoiler. So, I mean, that's part of what makes it hard to watch. Um, but what makes it worth watching is how that stuff all pays off. And I again, I can't really talk about it without spoiling things because. I think the tension of, you know, how is that going to work? Is is he going to... Because the movie gives you just enough... Uh, uh, it gives you enough reason to doubt how it's going to end. That even if you think you know, you are second-guessing yourself the entire time. And that tension is so important that even telling you... But if there's a... Like, if there's a big giant lizard in it, the cat's out of the bag. But I gotta that's tell the you. thing. Um, that's the thing. <laughs> As, like, Godzilla's on screen for maybe 20 minutes of the run. It, it, and that's interesting because I've seen a lot of the, the more recent American Godzilla movies. And I liked them, but I always felt that Godzilla needed to be on screen more. Because mm-hmm. Godzilla was the most interesting part of those movies. That's not the case. And they got here. worse and worse with each one. I thought the second one was actually better than the first, but that's different discussion. Different discussion. Also, it's been too long yeah. that I don't know that my memory's all that good. 
Here, the human characters are actually interesting, and you care about them in a way that I have never experienced in any Godzilla movie that I've ever seen. I'm not the biggest fan of the franchise, but my dad has seen all of them, and therefore I've seen many of them as well. I've never cared, I've never cared about the human characters before. So I had a great segue in how to get into the actual discussion from talking about Godzilla. We're not there anymore. I don't know how to segue anymore. It's the <laughs> oh, most wonderful I have something, time of the year. I, oh, John, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I prepared, especially for this episode, since it will be coming out on Christmas Day, I, I have a, a Christmas poem that I'd be happy to share with, with you all. Oh, please. That's... um. Yeah. <clears throat> Twas the night before X-Men. Twas the night, Twas the night before Christmas when all through Krakoa not a mutant was stirring, not even Aurora. She's, she's part of the Alpha Flight. The censors were hung by the entrance with care in case any sentinels caught us unawares. The X-Men were nestled all snug in their beds while Vision and Wanda hid them from the feds. And Jeannie in her kerchief and I in my visor had just settled our deal with Marvel's merchandiser. When down in the danger room there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the monitors I pulled up the vids to see if the purifiers were killing the kids. Screens showed me nothing with their soft bluish glow. So maybe we're being robbed by Remy LeBeau? And when what to my ruby quartz eye should appear but a stolen motorcycle loaded with beer? With a little old rider dressed like a shogun, I knew in a moment, ah, oh, cuss, it's Logan. More rapid than Quicksilver, the cycle came, and he grunted and barked and called out mutants by name. Hey, Angel. Hey, Iceman. Hey, Polaris or Banshee. Hey, Armor, Magic, Nightcrawler, or Jubilee. Come out of your rooms now, to the end of the hall. Colossus will throw his special fastball. As light... Uh, as lightweight bad guys that before Aurora Monroe fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the rooftop the wild man flew, crashing through a window and spilling his booze. And then in a twinkling I heard him fumble. He drunkenly swore and had a bad tumble. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney the wolverine came with a bound. He was covered in hair from his head to his toes, which was fortunate because he'd forgotten his clothes. <laughs> Truly, this is the worst Santa Claus, liquored and surly and slashing his claws. His eyes, how they glinted. His sneer, how scary. His bum cheeks were like roses, but incredibly hairy. His scrapes and bruises <laughs> by now were all healing quite well as he rummaged through the drawers, stealing a new book of matches, and he lit his cigar and drunkenly slurred, Now back to the bar! He had a dazed look, seemingly quite mad, as he swiped and looked for something to stab. I watched from the doorway but kept my distance, cause in his feral state he could end my existence. A snort and a snarl and a twist of his head soon gave me to know, if I moved, I'd be dead. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work, and emptied the fridge in a flash, the big jerk. And scratching himself in a manner quite gross, he jumped out the window and yelled, Adios! He sprang to his Harley and revved up the engine, as I penciled the date of our next intervention, but I heard him exclaim, headed back to the pub, Merry Christmas to all, and go bleep your yourself bub oh man so on the one hand some of those rhymes were just fantastic <laughs> like i had no idea how you were gonna rhyme with krakoa uh, but well it was done. really hard well done <laughs> on the other hand you did rhyme claws oh. with claws um i think you'll see that claws uh one is spelled c-l-a-u-s klaus um I stand by it. I stand by it. Um, I fit in. I fit in multiple X Men names in there. So, and and several villains. So you know, 
Oh, fantastic. Due respect to a visit from St. Nicholas, but yeah, I knew I, I would get dinged by the English major, so. Hey, you know what? Even the best rhymers uh, have a couple of whack lyrics. You did a good job. Hmm. <sighs> Speaking but of whack, this is the here we are. registration podcast <laughs> where we're here to talk about one who is very good at whacking. Uh, <laughs> Tis the season to discuss Wolverine. It's the death and return of Wolverine tonight. And I think that's the order that we tackle it in, right? That makes sense to me. If uh, As much as anything works. does. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll sum up uh, Death of Wolverine, the creative team here, uh, written by Charles Soule and Steve McNiven. This is the Death of Wolverine, four issues from 2014. Um, it is the same creative team throughout, I believe. Charles Soule is the writer. Steve McNiven is the artist. And uh, I was just pulling up the third issue because that's where I forgot who the bad guy was. Um, but the, uh, Wolverine has lost his healing ability and is hiding out in British Columbia. And bad guys are coming after him. Um, he visits his local bar, uh, tells the bartender that guys are coming, leaves him a note, says, come and get me, you cowards. And... Uh, what is the bad guy's name with the American flag Duke. tattoo on him? He's so dumb. He's Duke. So, <laughs> long as it's American, brother. Oh, yeah, he's. I do not like this dude. So, Nuke shows up and Wolverine takes out his whole team except him and beats him to a pulp and just says, All right, I haven't. I, I'm going to not. I'm not killing anybody anymore. Or I'm not. Um, sorry. I want to see how he phrases it. It's. Uh, Come after me, you die. Kill anyone trying to get me, you die. You're the last guy I let walk. Ever. Oh, I let walk away. Make sure they all understand that. So he finds out from from Nuke that someone in Madripoor has uh, put out a contract, and it's Viper, who has a history with Wolverine. And so he tracks down, he gets a meeting with Viper in uh, Madripoor, and uh, she is keeping Sabretooth on a leash, literally keeping him on a leash as her as her lapdog and keeping him poisoned and he has to work for his antidote. Um, Lady Deathstrike shows up and saves Wolverine, who uh, has lost an eye in a fight with Sabretooth. And uh, turns out they're after her too. They don't know exactly who. Um, but Lady Deathstrike realizes, oh wait, maybe you don't have your healing ability anymore. You're useless. But Kitty Pride shows up to save Wolverine. And gives him a quick shot of healing, and then he's off to the races again. They find out that there's Ogun, a past enemy of Wolverine's in uh, Japan, um, is the next person up the chain. And um, when they get there, it turns out he's taken over Kitty. He's like a ghost bad guy. I did not do the reading on Ogun. But he is a ghost bad guy that possesses Kitty, and they get into a... um, Gorgeous cherry blossom surrounded fight, and uh, he finds out, or Kitty rather, um, got from Ogun that uh, the real person pulling the strings is a guy named Abraham Cornelius, and it turns out that was someone involved with Weapon X. So he is trying to perfect what he started with Wolverine. He is making super soldiers um, that. Uh, are everything but Wolverine. They don't quite have his healing factor the right way. He's trying to find the best and the brightest and give him adamantium, but it's just, it's just not working, and he needs Wolverine. And 
um, his healing factor, and Wolverine just says, well, it's gone, and uh, manages to um, not be killed by the um, latest version of the super soldier, but uh, get his revenge on uh, Cornelius, and then kills himself by covering himself in adamantium rather than letting it kill these other people that are being experimented on. And Wolverine dies as an adamantium um, statue. Um, not how I thought it would end, but that's how it ended. What did you all think of this one? It's fine. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, but yeah, it, it felt like it maybe should have been a bigger moment. But this is a Wolverine solo book. And I don't know. I think like the real death of Wolverine happened in the movie Logan. I, I liked that. Um, I thought that it, they did a good job with that. Um, considering, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They could have built to some of these moments a bit more. Because it feels like, you know, he, he meets up with the bad guy at hand and then deals with them quickly and then moves on. And, and then... You know, even this last, you know, showdown where where Cornelius gets, you know, hurt and uh, bleeds out, um, you know, it, I, don't, I don't know. It, it did feel like it could have been a bigger moment, but... They, uh, they've shot their shot on the death of Wolverine already, I feel like. Because this is... I, I, I can't help but feel like this is not the story that you tell... If you are going to kill off Wolverine of all characters. Because Wolverine has a long list of arch nemeses that you could draw on. There's, you know, Sabretooth, obviously. There's Dokken, potentially, who, who kind of pops up later on tonight. There's uh, Magneto is a good choice. Cyber gets a reference. Cyber used to be a real big bad for Wolverine. But, like, I feel like... You go to Dr. Cornelius if you've told the best stories with all of these other characters. And so, yeah, they, I, I just feel like this is, they, they've done the Death of Wolverine story already somehow. Or like the story that should have been the Death of Wolverine. And because they did, they couldn't reuse more interesting characters and more interesting plot beats. Like... Again, Lady Deathstrike has more of a beef with Logan than Cornelius does. Yeah. Uh, I, or at the very Sabretooth, least, we care, who's, we care more. Yeah, Sabretooth, who gets relegated to, like, you know, lowly henchman level. Like, they have a big fight, yeah. But that's, I don't know, that's what I think is, like, it, it comes down to a showdown with Sabretooth somehow. And Wolverine, you know, kills him but then dies immediately after. But... After, like, Sabretooth sees that he, you know, Wolverine beat him. And then Wolverine dies after Sabretooth is dead. Like, that's, I don't know, that's how I always pictured it, but... You feel like Sabretooth is kind of a joke nowadays. Yeah, like, I don't know, the last I saw of him, in, like, they kind of banished him. Right. Uh, the X-Men, the mutants, I don't know if he's if he's back or... I think he came back, so I haven't, like, there may, there may have been, like, a big you know, reboot or, or relaunch of Sabretooth that, oh, he's he's taken seriously again. But I, I feel yeah. like for a while there, no, nobody was really interested in doing anything with Sabretooth. Or maybe there was nothing to do with him. I don't know. 
if you're going to do a death of character comic, the death needs to feel meaningful. But the death doesn't feel meaningful yeah. unless you see kind of the reaction to it. Like, the death of Superman, to use the, the obvious. Death of Superman was a fine story. The bit that made the death of Superman work for me was all the stuff that came after, where you saw people actually mourning, trying to move on. And in some cases, not being able to. Uh, just that that made the death of Superman more interesting. In my mind, if you just read the death of Superman, but you don't read World Without a Superman, you're doing it wrong. And that doesn't mean World Without Superman is actually good, because it probably isn't. Um, but I, especially as a kid, as a younger reader, I always found that way more interesting. And you did more Kitty as herself or Jubilee, maybe. I don't know. That's that's more of like a 92 X-Men thing. Because uh, I think Kitty was supposed to be his sidekick, you know, from the, when she was introduced. That was kind of the idea. And then we kind of get Jubilee. Um, Storm or Jean don't make an, appen- an appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have also had like confession sessions with uh, Nightcrawler or something, you know. He could have like... They could have done flashbacks, like you know, Nightcrawler could have heard his like last words or something like that. If they wanted to do something with that relationship, you know, because he like they both care about each other and go way back. So. Yeah, and are are yeah. only gay for each other in certain reads of their stories? <laughs> but maybe that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. But does solo Wolverine, like Wolverine outside of the X Men, have that same sort of like? I don't know, cultural cachet is maybe the word I want. Because I think about, like, I, I just listed off a bunch of Wolverine villains, but, like, the ones that are really good, like, Wolverine's best enemies are X-Men enemies. Yeah. With the possible exception of Sabretooth. You take Wolverine away from the X, and who are you left with? You're left with Ogun. You're left with Viper. These are not top-tier Marvel villains. I'm not even saying they're bad villains. I don't know them, which is kind of my point. These are not the A-lister. Yeah. When Spider-Man died, death of Spider-Man, uh, you know, like the 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 death of Ultimate Spider-Man, which which we read, has Spider-Man facing off not just against Norman Osborn, but like the rest of his rogues gallery is there too. It's a gauntlet of him fighting his biggest foes, and that's what wears him down and ultimately kills him. Death of Wolverine doesn't have that. And in part, I think it's because Wolverine's rogues gallery, when he's separated from the X-Men, is just not that deep. And it's not that interesting. So if, if you're not going to have Wolverine die in the context of a bigger X-Men story, and you're only going to focus on him and his kind of narrow rogues, you're left with a story that is ultimately, I think, kind of lacking and the it's trouble it's it's tricky because he is you know a loner and if you're going to do it as a its own title then you want to play into that you know so like a a sidekick the whole time narratively might work but in the spirit of like the character maybe doesn't work as well and that's why they didn't do it but i think i don't know there this has come had been coming for a while because he lost his healing for a while before this right and so it was kind of, you know, we knew it was coming. They talked about it. So it was in the air. But yeah, I still, I still think that, you know, facing down all your, all your enemies and, and coming out 
victorious, but then dying anyway, that would have been better. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I think this is <laughs> the best the best they could work with, but what they worked with wasn't very nice. I, I don't know. <laughs> Boo. I, I liked the art a lot and the coloring. Oh, yeah, um, art is really good. McNiven is... It's very dope. clean. Um, yeah. And, like, I like Charles Soule. Like, I think we've read, st- like, some of his stuff before, and I like it. And I think that, like, I'm more... What I want, what I wanted for this big of a moment wasn't quite here. Um, what it was wasn't bad, but it didn't have, like, like we talked about, these, these big epic moments that you expect with the death of a character like this. Also, it's death in a comic book, so you know that they're going to be back, and it, in four years later, it turns out we were right, you know, like, of course, Wolverine's back. Um, I don't know. But Wolverine you know, being thrown into a room where he can put on samurai armor and bust out some swords like that. That was awesome. Like very cool panel where they have kind of a, uh, rising sun effect to separate all the different panels there on that page rather. Um, very, very cool. So I don't know. I think what this, what this, the, what makes this book stand out, what makes it, you know, um, worthy of this kind of moment is the art. Um, Oh, gets a little there was also this really goopy. cool thing. Sorry, I, I just pulled up my notes again and forgot there was something that I really wanted to mention. The the writing has three different narration boxes for Wolverine's yeah. internal monologue. There's blue box for his sense of smell, a yellow blocks a yellow box for his his sense of hearing, and a red box for his feeling, specifically like pain. It's it's all about pain. And they yeah. do some kind of cool stuff with it. Like, I'm on the fence about issue three opens with those sense boxes relating a haiku. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's good or bad, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's part of his character. It's, I don't, it's part of himself that I think that, you know, that works. It's not like appropriation, I don't think, because he's you know, in his non-feral side, you know, he, he does live by, like, a strict code of conduct that I think, you know, um, draws from, from like, you know, the samurai. I think that's a lot of inspiration comes from, you know, those kinds of stories where he's um, fighting in search of, of either, either a good death or a higher ideal and trying to do the right thing and protect people, you know. Again, when he's not completely just, you know, animalistic and going crazy in a rage, but um, gorgeous cherry blossoms the whole time. So that's cool. I don't know. I, I liked I liked that. I'm glad you mentioned that the, diff, the different um, narration. Also, in this, um, we get some behind the scenes, like the, the director's commentary almost, they say. I always love it when, uh, when we see, see that. Sketches. I know. I'm, I like to see how the sausage is made in comics, you know, and kind of see the process. For this time, I was trying to get through the issue, so I didn't have a chance to, like, study it as much as I should. Um, but I like getting to see, you know, a little peek behind the curtain like that. So, um, overall, not bad, but not, I don't know, maybe not fitting the moment like we want it to. No, um, no, no, really isn't. Um, but, yeah... Can't really fault that art, though. The, 
do like Steve McNiven. Have we read anything else with with Steve McNiven before? I I think we have to have right. Like was, I was trying it, to look at the list. It was the Hulk, um, Old Man Logan. Oh, he also did Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Like the book you hate. It's not yeah. because of the How art. How do you feel now? It's not because of the <laughs> art. McNiven's a good artist. Yeah, I I think Civil War, like all of the art, was good. Um, um, very clean, you know. I, I think that this is better. This uh, this works better for me. Um, it is, you know, eight years later, so he's only had time to improve. Because um, some of the art in uh, Civil War felt kind of like very posed and stiff and not as dynamic as I wanted it to be. Uh, but all of this is is much better. So yeah. Anyhow, any anything else we want to say about this? Not as good as Death of Superman. <laughs> <laughs> not as good as death of ultimate spider-man definitely not as good as yeah. death of ultimate spider-man yeah um speaking of not as good as blank of superman <laughs> uh chris sims of the war rocket ajax podcast likes to say that death of superman is actually kind of bad and return of superman is actually kind of good and i don't I don't I don't know that I can say the same thing, you know, taking the the comparison to Return of Wolverine. There is apparently a second part to this. Death of Wolverine is supposed to be followed by The Hunt for Wolverine, which we did not read and I did not know that that was a thing before oh, recommending it. Return of Wolverine. So there's mention in uh, let's get into the plot. So Return of Wolverine actually has, I think, mostly the same creative team as Death of Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, there's additional art by Declan Shalvey, though, throughout, or at, at certain points. I think he handles a couple of the issues. Uh, Return of Wolverine is really curious because it picks up with Wolverine already being alive. And he's kind of sent on these missions by this woman who is named Persephone. You know, Persephone kind of is a reference to the Greek mythology, you know, six months underground in the underworld, and it's wintertime. She's the bride of Hades. In my head, there's a reference to the story of Orpheus, but that might just be because my favorite telling of Orpheus is, is the Broadway musical Hades Town, where Persephone is a major character. I'm not sure that she's a major character, in the, the sort of traditional Greek myth. But regardless, kind of a little bit of, of foreshadowing uh, that this is going to be a story that's a lot about death. Persephone is sending Wolverine and kind of manipulating him to go on these, these missions. It's not quite clear that he's doing the right thing, that he's on the side of the angels, though. He's definitely getting manipulated. Throughout, we see different personalities of Wolverine, different visualizations of the character from his history, kind of locked up in different cells inside his brain. And he's letting different aspects of his character out in order to fulfill certain tasks. But the whole picture is never really there. He's amnesiac, which is partially why he's, he's so easy. Um, eventually, it is revealed that not only is, you know, Persephone manipulating him. But Persephone is kind of manipulating everybody around him. 
she has a mutant ability to control and reanimate dead bodies, uh, including his. I think that she says that she brought him back to life. Off panel, we don't see that in this book. That must have happened somewhere else. Meanwhile, the X-Men show up. They're trying to cap or not capture Wolverine, but like rescue him, reclaim him. Wolverine doesn't recognize them. He goes feral. He cuts Iceman in half, uh, incapacitates Nightcrawler. It's very violent. Um, but finally, Wolverine is able to shake off the, I guess, the mind control. And he stops Persephone's plan. Because Persephone's, like, planning on on killing basically the entire world. And he, he jumps out of a satellite and basically, you know, does Wolverine things. Stabs a whole bunch of people. Uh, winds up letting... All aspects of his personality out except for the most violent one. Which is funny because then like the very next panel is him literally chopping a guy's arm off. Uh, yep, burns up in re-entry but comes out of the water, asks for a beer, and then goes back home to uh, the, the Xavier school. St- status quo restored. <laughs> as, yep. as everyone knew that it would be. So. Yep. And it's, yeah. What a weird story. <laughs> I, this is another one. You know, this was five issues and there are a lot of tie-ins, I think. And we read, you know, the main kind of stuff that was going on for death and return of Wolverine. Maybe there's some buildup where we get more Persephone. Cause I think this is, you know, could be potentially interesting if we had a bit more detail and a bit more stakes and kind of what's going on. Um, or see, you know, Wolverine come back, you know, because we're kind of, you know, in the middle of it thrown in. And there's some, I don't know, there's something good about um, starting in media res like that. But I, I felt lost a little bit. Also, all of these different personalities locked up and he's letting them out. That's totally what they did with Legion in um, X-Men... Um, uh, second or Messiah Complex, or Second Coming? No, Second Coming, where um, they're fighting. You know, the X Men are all caught by Nimrod. They um, they've put a big bubble around their Utopia Island outside San Francisco, and they send in Legion to fight them because they can't predict what his powers are going to be because he has all these personalities with different mutant powers. And it's literally, that's how Xavier is keeping him under control is by constructing a prison for his more dangerous personalities. And so, you know, that kind of felt cool where it's like, okay, there are many different aspects of Wolverine and we get to see some different art and different, you know, versions of, we see the Weapon X, we see the classic, you know, costume, we see this, his, you know, super violent version. Which I'm pretty sure is just supposed to be snicked bub. Yeah. He just says bub all the time. <laughs> bub. But we, we've seen that. Right? So, eh. Yeah. I don't know. I I think, I don't know. You need, you need more, like, we kind of have this, you know, this character who's telling Wolverine stories about himself. We kind of have, um, you know, Anna, this, this woman who's, you know, kind of urging him on, you know, and, oh, of course she's the bad guy in disguise, you know, not really fooled by it. Um, but, there could have been more, like, we could have seen, you know, Persephone, more more stuff about her big evil plan. I, I don't know. I think we could have had a better... 
her evil plan felt very much like the evil plan from the first Kingsman movie, mm. which I'm not sure which one came out first. Well, let's take a look. Uh, Return <laughs> of Wolverine was 2018. Yeah. Um, I think Kingsman was just before that. 2014. Oh, there you go. So, I would say my problem my problem with Persephone was that we saw Persephone way too early, and. I think it would have been interesting to have not seen her and have a bunch of characters start speaking. Well, you know, she's speaking through them. And I think it would have been a little bit more interesting to have more to kind of keep that like slight air of mystery of like, are we ever really talking to the real Persephone? And even at the end, right? I think we don't really know that she's dead anyways, so that... I think it still would have worked, right? Because we don't, we still don't know. We're still not a hundred percent sure we know what she looks like, or who she is. So I think that would have worked as a, as a bit of a mystery a little bit more. But the fact that we saw her from the very first panel and it's like, oh, okay, so Anna's not Persephone, but she's probably on Persephone's side. And then we get the reveal. I think they could have done just a little bit more with that. Yeah, uh, Persephone is. I don't know. Maybe her character gets flushed out more in Hunt for Wolverine. I just looked her up in the Marvel Wiki, and apparently she is. But Return of Wolverine is the last appearance. Like she has not come back since. Hmm. I don't know. So John, you said something kind of early on, talking about how you like and media rest, but you felt like maybe I'm putting words in your mouth here a little bit. But you never really felt secure in where the plot was. Yeah, because it's, you know, okay, Wolverine's back, he's alive, and and at first, you you know, you get these flash... It, it felt like some of his flashbacks where he is seeing other versions of himself, and doesn't he see Dokken at one point in a cell, and they're like, don't worry about him, and then he kills Dokken, and he kills an Omega Red? It, it felt kind of confusing at first, like, are we seeing him... In his first few days awake and back to life. Yeah. And there are other Wolverines out there. Um, are are we seeing, you know, what's going on inside of his mind right now? I don't know. It wasn't clear kind of... We didn't, I don't know. I feel like we didn't have solid footing at the beginning of this series to know, all right, is he's alive and he's kind of has amnesia, but then there were other things conflicting with, you know, what, what was going on. We needed a... I don't know. We needed a fight. I'm trying to like make this into a Bond movie where there's a cool opening scene that's in media res. And then we have a scene where the bad guy is petting their cat and something evil is going on. And then we pick up, you know, with the main, you know, with Bond again and we get, we get into it and get some context for, you know, what we've seen so far. I don't know. I feel like we didn't get started right. And so, um, the Dude, rest but that is of... every Bond movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause Bond yeah. movies yeah, always they... begin with, the in media rest story where they do something crazy and yeah then sometimes it relates to the bad to, guys yeah but then after like you know you have the crazy opening set piece where you know bond riding a motorcycle off the golden gate bridge into a spaceship or whatever and then you reset he goes back to mi6 he meets with money penny he meets with m he gets his gadgets, and then he goes off on the new adventure. That Correct. never happens here. Yeah. And we don't get him, you know, Jason Bourne style, learning a piece of the puzzle as he goes. 
we see him having little flashbacks, like when he calls, he talk, he's like fighting a saber-toothed tiger, and then it, he flashes to saber-tooth. He says something about a kitty, and he sees Kitty Pride, you know. But none of that continues very long after the first issue. It's all just the, the prison of different personalities in his head, which are they trying to say that he has split personalities? Because it's not that. It's different, you know, uh, ages. He gets, you know, his World War II soldier. He gets his, you know, um, temporary time in an eye patch, you know, right before his death where, you know, he was in a, in a dinner jacket, you know. It was, it was confusing, and I wish that, you know, they'd picked kind of one thing and just done that well. And, yeah, more, more development of the villain. And so I, gotta, I guess we got to read Hunt for Wolverine. Yeah, at some really point. Get, get the full, you know, experience out of this. Because I think, I think it's an interesting bad guy, power set-wise, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. And again, good art. Yeah. I like uh, Declan Shalvey. I don't necessarily like the way that the x-men looked when he drew them part of it is i don't they think, look terrible i don't think i like this era gene gray call that's part of no, it not at all i'm also not a fan of bearded nightcrawler yeah I don't, I don't like bearded nightcrawler either so that that threw me yeah um i feel like there's more to talk about with this story but I... <laughs> it's kind of just like uh, it, uh, oh okay yeah this one also feels a little Anticlimactic. I know. I know we can't recover exactly what I said about the first book, but I'm, but I'll repeat it for this one, which is it. <laughs> Please feels, do actually. It, yeah, it feels like the impactful stuff here won't come till after this. It feels once again that this is like the homework for the other stuff to feel impactful or to like you know fill in the gaps. I thought there's a panel that comes around. Or a couple pages that come around from some other Wolverine book where it's everybody talking about who they think Wolverine is. And like you guys have probably seen it because it's just a bunch of like portrait panels with just like a line or two of dialogue. And it's, you know, somebody is like, uh, you'll never meet a more simple man. And then somebody else is like, you'll never meet a more complicated man. Um, like that type of stuff, right? And I thought this is where that was going to happen, especially with a lot of the stuff relating to like his different aspects of himself. I, I thought that's where this was going to end. I don't know where that is in relation, or if it's even in relation to these two, three books. But as much as I like that aspect of it, it, it again feels like this is a book that wants to be more impactful and emotional than it actually comes across as. Yeah. And, and I... I I hate complaining and not having a solution, um, but I don't have like a like an idea of like what you could do to improve this one other than like what John said and make it into a Bond book. But <laughs> I mean, that's I think the solution good. is. <laughs> I'm sure that there were a lot of tie-ins to this mm-hmm. going on because Wolverine is you know a part of so many different teams yeah. or could be part of different teams, and so. Who's going to have an opinion and have, you know, some stake in Wolverine coming back from the dead, you know, somehow? Well, it's going to be this character, this character, this character, this character. So yeah. um, maybe maybe there's more to it. And 
you know, shame on us for thinking that the, you know, best part of the story would be in the main story, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you I, know. I do think what would have been a little bit more interesting would have been the different parts of his personality coming out a lot earlier and integrating themselves slowly throughout the whole book rather than... I think that all happens kind of in the last two chapters where he really starts, like, opening the locks, right? Like, we get a little bit in the third book where one of the Wolverines is explaining to him how how to fight the X-Men. And then we get that bit towards yeah. the end where, like, and I think um, it's, like, the part where they're, like, unlock me, you're going to need me. And so he can unlock them one by one and then he unlocks all of them but the one. And I think if you had done that earlier... I think it would have been maybe a little bit more interesting to see him kind of piece himself together psychologically. And then at the end, right, we get like this fully formed Wolverine. I don't know. Yeah. Personally, also, I his, think... his claws got hot. <laughs> that never gets explained, does it? No. Maybe in the hunt. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> but I feel like he didn't understand no. why that was happening here. I have no idea. Um, the other thing I would have said is, uh, for for as much as I kind of like the whole amnesia aspect of it, I I think that's kind of what held back the book a little bit. Was for like a book about the return of Wolverine, it really didn't feel like we had Wolverine for a lot of this book. I think maybe they should have combined that aspect of like the amnesia and unlocking the different parts of his personality. And not having be totally amnesiac for the whole book. I don't know. It's No, I, I agree with that. I think that's part of what I was trying to get at earlier is mm-hmm. we never get regrounded. No. We we yeah. don't have an yeah. We I think and I we think, don't get Wolverine we don't get Wolverine, we get Kirkland brand Wolverine <laughs> to yeah. run the story and we need we need original version, you know. Yeah, we need original recipe Wolverine. Um, (laughs) I think what would have been a really cool way to start with the whole amnesiac thing and, you know, get us to Wolverine faster, I think would have been really interesting of like, you know, maybe for, for a big part of like the first chapter or the first issue is he is, you know, totally without memory and something about being, you know, surrounded by all of that technology that, you know, that the dude has that is to bring back saber-toothed tigers and stuff. If something in that would have triggered, like, his Weapon X thing, uh, his memory of, you know, being Weapon X, and, like, that unlocks. And so he instantly starts remembering, but he kind of remembers from the beginning rather than, like, just a random part in the middle. I think, like, I think you could have tied this really well into being a book about who Wolverine was and who he's become as he like unlocks these parts of himself. Right. So, cause I think, you know, by the fourth, by the fourth book, you would have had like a really feral edgy early two thousands Wolverine. But then like at the end of the fifth book or, you know, by the middle of the fifth book, you have a Wolverine who's a lot more modern because that's who he's unlocked at that point in his memories and personality. And I think it would have been a really kind of a cool way to pay, you know, some sort of tribute to who Wolverine was and is now, but, yeah, I don't know. I just I just feel that for like a character with so much history and like love and such an expansive history with so many books and characters, 
that these books didn't really pay homage really to who he is and they're event books so like it's not an excuse that like oh these are just you know some books that happen in the middle of a run like old man logan if you're making these an event and you're you know tying in a bunch of issues from like a bunch of the books that he's related to i think this would have been the perfect opportunity to be a little cheesy and really kind of play up the history and why this character is so like loved yeah well, I think Death of Wolverine tried to mm -hmm. And again, that, that goes back to the thing that we kind of discussed in the first half where I don't think there's all that much to do to lean into the sentimentality unless you incorporate the broader X-Men team, which Death of Wolverine didn't do. And Return, I think, I think Return tried something interesting. It's more ambitious, but unfortunately I don't think the ambition paid off because... At the end of the day, this is just a Wolverine story. It's not a special Wolverine story. It's just a Wolverine story. Wolverine loses his memory. He attacks his teammates. He gets manipulated by, by someone else to do bad, bad, evil things. And he winds up saving the day and redeeming his soul by killing a lot of people. That's normal. That is M. Bison for me. It was Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, this is just a long work week for Logan. <laughs> yeah 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 it, it is just a bummer right these they're not bad but they're not like i don't know that these stories are particularly like event worthy like you said they're they're wolverine stories like we've seen some sort of you know version or variation on these stories in the many many years and books and spin-offs of wolverine like I think even even like that's uh what was that that, that Spider-Man and Wolverine book that we read where they get tumbled through time. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, I think that one was like a slightly better death of Wolverine cuz like it's very heavily implied or it feels like he's they're going to die really at any point through that through like the first two or three issues of that before we get all mojoed. <laughs> Plus Wolverine like <laughs> him clashing with Spider-Man cuz everybody <laughs> Everybody, every, I can say everybody loves Spider-Man and Wolverine, right? Yeah. There are no jerks out there that are like, no, but me, 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 me. Um, yeah, yes, I feel confident saying that, like, everybody loves Spider-Man and Wolverine. That is to say, if you don't, then I don't want to know you. So <laughs> seeing the two of them butt heads, that was a great part of those issues because... You're like, well, I love both of them. Surely they get along because they're both good guys on the same team. No, Spider-Man bugs Wolverine a lot to the point where Wolverine like threatened to kill him just because he wouldn't shut up. Like, that's that's terrific. That's great. Um, I, I think I'm slowly realizing yeah. over this podcast that I might have the same problem with Wolverine that I have with Deadpool. Oh, I don't interesting. Think I don't think they're that good by their on on their own. Hold I think on, let me say that with best. a little less stuttering. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're very good on their own. Wolverine. I do kind of like, I don't know, though. I like some solo Wolverine stuff is good, but only, you know that he's going to, you know, be in, in the next X book or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, as a kid, I, I there were like some like Wolverine comics where it was just Wolverine or it's Wolverine and Jubilee, you know. I really liked those. But, you know, some really cool stuff happens in, you know, where Wolverine is a part of the team in, uh, like, uh, Phoenix. Yeah. 
uh, the you know Dark Phoenix saga or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of yeah kind of better is like yeah yeah because I'm realizing that my favorite like Wolverine moments or books come from books that are not that are that are team books. Like I particularly liked when he was a teacher, and obviously you can't have him be a teacher without having the broader X Men stuff. Wolverine. Wolverine is to the X Men as Joey is to friends. Oh, I hate that. I hate that, but you're uh, not wrong. Yeah, I, I don't like the. No, I, yeah, I, sure I don't I'm like right, it, but. Actually. but <laughs> no, yo, yeah. yeah, no, I'm saying like, yeah, his solo show didn't last, what, two seasons, maybe? Something like that. Yeah. Proving that he's you're no not, good on his own. You're not wrong, and I hate it. But yeah. except except that's not entirely true because we know Wolverine can be good on his own. The the original Claremont Frank Miller Wolverine miniseries, it makes me uncomfortable because I I do feel there's a little there's something a little bit weird about Wolverine's relationship with Japan. Um, feels vaguely like fetishistic. I'm I'm, I'm a little mm. bit. I I'm having a reckoning a bit with how I've used the term cultural appropriation, and I'm not entirely sure that it's appropriate there. But I don't boy, it's it weird. It's weird. I mean, it's it. If it applies, it applies to Claremont and Miller for writing it more than anything. But regardless, yeah, I think there's like this weird. Like nowadays, it feels like a bit of a weird connection to have him so intricately tied to like Japan. Not even like Japanese characters, like just Japan in general. I get that he was there when the bomb was dropped. Like that's part of the story, right? And I get that, you know, that's where he fell in love with, like, Mariko and stuff like that. that, That's all, like, good stuff, I think. But just the fact that, like, any major Wolverine story, you know, four times out of five, feels like it has to make a a pit stop in Japan for some reason. And it just feels like, yeah, it just feels like such a part of his character, but, like, only when it's convenient. Because, like, he doesn't, he's not a samurai. He dons samurai armor and, you know, he wields katanas. Like, we know he's able to do that. But, like, he doesn't really ever opt to do that when he's not on the island. <laughs> so it never really feels like, oh, we're returning home or we're returning to a thing that was a home. It usually just feels like, hey, you know, Wolverine's a wee, but he likes Attack on Titan probably. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's like nowadays, cause you know, before I, I was all like, yeah, Wolverine, Japan, heck yeah. Like that's what I'm about. As I've gotten older, it, it feels tenuous nowadays. Like that connection. It doesn't really feel like that's necessarily like his home or like his home away from home. It just feels like that's like a remnant from the eighties, you know, the Claremont Miller stuff. And it doesn't really feel like it's as important as it's made out to seem. It may, yeah, it's been a long time since that's been really part of his character. Or, yeah, it's now it's just, oh yes, and also Japan. I don't know, I, I moved around a lot, and so you gotta, you gotta pick somewhere to be from. You gotta pick somewhere to, like, have be important to you, you know? And as like a person it's like okay well like i can see this being you know this person's been a long t- a lot of time in one place that place has become important to them in the context of you know north american character spends time in asia and adopts that as part of their personality there's oof, it it doesn't feel good yeah um 
we've seen too many bad examples for like, oh, but, but, but he's trying to like, you know, I don't know, like he's trying to, to, to do it right being the, the guy Jin in the room. I don't know. I don't know enough about. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is, which uh, is so weird. Is... Cause like, I feel if you're going to call any place a second home for Wolverine, it's Madripoor, right? I would think. And, like, for me, if you're going to talk about a place that is home for Wolverine and something that's actually played into other, other storylines, it's the X-Mansion or, like, the X-Men. That's his home. That's where he comes back when he's been away for a while. That's where he knows he'll find some sort of friend or, or family or, you know, help. Like, that's where he knows he can always go. And, I don't know, the fact that, like, again, in... in both books he doesn't really go there except at the end of this book for you know some sort of redemption as a hey guy sorry i tried to stab you type of thing but i i don't know it just again it just feels like like these books maybe don't fully get who wolverine is or maybe i don't get who wolverine is but it doesn't feel like <laughs> this isn't what i would imagine for him or there's so much to Wolverine that like, how are you gonna do it all in five minute five issues and and do it justice? Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe give yourself more time to to do this or you know or put it all in the main story. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe Wolverine would actually benefit from like a twelve issue event or like a ten issue event to really encompass, you know, the character and his very varied history. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I think I think five issues just doesn't doesn't cut it. And again, not that it's a bad story, but like a kind of unimpressive Wolverine story here also doesn't really help a whole lot. You know, I'm thinking about something you said earlier, Aldo, where you're talking about these stories as event comics. And one of the things that I like about event comics is what comes after, where mm-hmm. you now have the really interesting status quo to play in. Civil War is garbage. The Marvel Universe in the immediate aftermath of Civil War, really cool. Some of my favorite Marvel comics. And I'm kind of wondering, Death, Death of Wolverine led to X-23 as Wolverine. Led, led to Laura Kinney as Wolverine. Those books are good. And so in terms of the event comic, it, Death of Wolverine ushers in a really interesting era of Wolverine-less Wolverine. And then Return of Wolverine brings all of that to an end. Yeah. Well, I think we have to remember, right? When we read Children of X, that was a book about the legacy of Wolverine through the lens of Laura specifically and also Dokken. And like what that means, right, to the general oh, public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um was that called Children of X? Yeah. Or Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was something of X. Orphans of X. Orphans of X. Orphans there of are X. children right. still. <laughs> <laughs> but, but return of wolverine i'm thinking hold on i'm thinking of it in terms of the time frame 2018 is when it came out uh 2019 is when the krakoa era of x-men mm-hmm. or thereabouts huh yeah and you can't have a new era without wolverine i guess not true and they have an interesting relationship with death in the utopia you know or krakoa era so that's tricky yeah so yeah i don't i don't know i feel yeah, I don't know what these books were necessarily trying to accomplish on their own as, like, the core event books. 
other than kill and bring back Wolverine. I mean, it's in the title. Yeah, right. Like that's. I mean, <laughs> we got what we paid for. We I can't. It. I can't be mad that my Hershey's Mission accomplished, chocolate everyone. Yeah, I can't be mad that my chocolate bar doesn't have peanuts if I didn't get a peanut bar. But like, don't open dead dove dot gif. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I just feel that because they're so framed like event comics, like. They have like their own separate numbering. They happen outside of like the the ongoing books. They don't lead into like ongoing books. I don't think they get renumbered like back into into them. Like they're so separate. They're treated like it. Like both books, like at the at the end of the books, have like the little reading guide that's like, if you want to know more about the death of Wolverine, you know, read these books. This is the follow up. Blah blah blah. They're so treated like event books, but they're not even as like spectacle filled as like event books <laughs> isn't it fitting though that this is what we get because the or like the x-men like when they finally did the the wolverine origin you know where it's like you know, pioneer times low uh, oh, uh yeah. james howlett like how stupid was that or it's like no dude named logan turns out he fought in world war Two. Oh, turns out he also spent time in japan turns out oh weapon x happened uh, like who cares? Like we're at the beginning of all of that. Like yeah, he's super old. Do we have to like n- no? Just just yeah. eh. he's the best at what he does and what he does is very nice. But you know what, John? At that. Those happened in the main Wolverine books. <laughs> <sighs> like you could at least you know be like, oh okay, this was a run. This was certainly a story arc. Okay, we're moving on. But these ones are you know framed in such a way that it's like i don't know i i was expecting more i was in a sense i was expecting yeah. more like sentimentality as a reader and it's like okay for for a book of the death of wolverine i don't feel like i cared that much <laughs> and for the return of wolverine you know great he's back and also he has hot claws now yeah <laughs> i didn't care for the art as much in the uh newer books uh, in the Return of Wolverine, so that's kind of a bummer because at least the old one had that going for him. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's if they weren't framed like this, like they are, and I know that's my I keep harping on that, but I think it's kind of like the same problem that like Stephen had with Civil War Two, right? Where if it hadn't been framed as a Civil War book, maybe I would have enjoyed it more. And that's kind of how I feel about these. If these hadn't been so you know, framed in the way that they are. If you had told me, hey, this is Wolverine, volume, you know, 42, chapters 20 through 25, maybe I would have been a little less, I don't know, nitpicky on them. But it's kind of like opening up a big box and it's just full of packing noodle, packing peanuts. Yeah. Should we rank these stories? Yeah. Okay. Got the list up. I think we are at like what two hundred and sixty-five stories currently, or excuse me, two hundred sixty-four stories currently. Uh, and as has been kind of the trend recently, Wolverine is featured at the top and bottom of the list. Highest ranking Wolverine adjacent story. I mean, he's technically in Infinity Gauntlet, but really the the Dawn of X prelude, the kickoff to the Krakoa era. At number 12. That might be too low for that book. I don't know. That book's really good. Anyway. 
Um, that's probably the highest Wolverine-centric story. And yeah, uh, the Draco at number 264, our second from the bottom. Or if you want to get even more focused, uh, Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk at number 257. Just He's the best at what he does and also apparently at times the worst at what he does. So yeah, Death of Wolverine, where does that go? I'm just going to say I don't think either of these books break the Star Wars manga ceiling. No. 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 So I think I like Death of Wolverine better than Return of Wolverine, but the whole Agoon body swap with Kitty Pride thing, and she kisses Logan, and it's like framed with cherry blossoms and stuff all around, do not like, do not want. <laughs> you know who also did that, and I hate it? Was Batman. Wait, what? In, uh, I think it's in one of the movies. It's in, I think it's a Batman Beyond episode, actually, where he kisses Talia. Oh, gosh, yeah. And then you later find out that Raj has taken over her body for, you know, the youth. You're like, Raj, Raj kissed Bruce? What? No, gross. Why? And now that we're back happened. in. That happened. I remember that. Oh, yes. no. Absolutely <laughs> happened in his world there, too. No, body swapping <laughs> stories. If you're going to do a body swap story, no kissing. Or oh. lean into it and make it body. Either way, it's not for me. But, you know, if you're going to do it, just do it. <laughs> but if you, like, it's it's creepy. Don't, don't do it. Just don't do it. It's too creepy. Anyway, yeah, so I don't know. Steven likes Freaky Friday and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only body swap story I like is that one episode of Justice League Unlimited where the Flash and Lex Luthor change bodies and Lex Luthor gets super excited that he's finally going to find out who the Flash is and he goes into the bathroom and he takes his mask off and he looks in the mirror and he sees the Flash's face <laughs> and he's like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> That's a wonderful moment. Oh, it's so good. The, I think that's the final season of Justice League Unlimited, which is not, I don't think it's as good as what came before, but that one episode makes the whole thing worth it. It's so good. Anyway, um, yeah, I agree with you, Aldo. Neither of these stories clear the, the New Hope manga line. I think for pure coherence, Death of Wolverine will go higher in my estimation. Same, yeah, I, I liked it better than Return, so... I agree there. But I'm not sure how high it goes. Like, I'm looking somewhere around the Arrow books, which are at 133 and 135. See, and I'm thinking that's still a little high. I was thinking that I also don't think these books quite clear why stands for freedom, or they're at least very close in that range, which I guess you're in that range. But No, you're lower than I am, but I, I also don't disagree with you. Because, you know, I don't think either of these books go above the Demon Bear, even with its more problematic elements. Um, Same. I was going to say, I was like, that one That one is kind of a tentpole, you know, for the New Mutants um, and a classic. And it's the, yeah. these are just kind of, it's, it was a big event. Try, like, it, why else would you kill Wolverine and bring him back, like, if not to just, like, make money, like, uh, it's a... Come and see, it's Wolverine, you love him, we're gonna kill him. And you know he's coming back, and so it just kind of, it's like, well, what was, what was the point? Like, I, eh. 
I mm-hmm. do think I like this better than Avengers versus X-Men. Really? I kind of think I do. Hmm. I don't care for Avengers versus X-Men. I didn't think it was that good. Yeah, it wasn't that great, but you know, if we're talking about Wolverine like kind of exclusively, I did like that his role in that book is kind of torn between you know, being an X-Men and being an Avenger. Granted, it's not a Wolverine book, yeah. right? So we don't really get to go that deep into it, but I thought that was interesting because he is both. Yeah. But yeah, an important I'd... member of both and, mm-hmm. you know, arguably yeah, like it's that is interesting. Yeah, um, not not important yeah, enough I'm, for Marvel I'm to put down persuaded. the money. I'm persuaded. <laughs> Let's keep scrolling down. Yeah, you know I'm okay not going that much lower than that. I I'd say we'd put it maybe just under Deadpool Bullseye because that one tickles me. <laughs> it's it's just it's just Bullseye and Deadpool trying to kill each other. Very Tunes-ish. Uh, yeah, and I'm a sucker for anything that approaches that Bugs Bunny line, you know. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's do that. What is what is made in the USA? Was that that America Chavez one? Yes. Yeah, this is this is the right spot for it. I think. Yeah. So no that's the new number 156. Quick question, where do we have the death of Spider-Man since uh, I've compared that's it a few times. You're the top. Is it? Okay, never mind. Um okay. it's not it's not I'm looking finally woven no. I thought it was near the top. That's Dan Slot. Who wrote that one? Death of Spider Man. Uh, it's number thirty-seven. Oh, okay. That's a lot higher than where ah. I thought we put it. I missed. One I remembered right it that one. being better than it actually wound up being upon re. But the uh, you know, it turns out the best stuff in Death of Spider Man actually was kind of the aftermath and the introduction of Miles Morales. Although mm-hmm. it still had some good moments. Anyway. Uh, so Return of Wolverine again goes lower. I concur. I don't think it goes yeah. significantly lower because at the end of the day, as frustrating a read as it was, it's not a bad book. No, and the whole idea of his parts of his personality locked in, and I thought that was really cool. It's been done before, like John pointed out, but yeah, not bad. It's not bad. It's also also it's it's kind of fun to see the different Wolverine costumes and and aspects mm-hmm. of his personality and histories and stuff. That's it's not bad. Yeah. I did like that we saw like the original <laughs> the original costume from like his first appearance in there. So um I think that their um House of M is a more like cohesive story. You know, you kind of know the stakes better and Wolverine is a central character in that. He's kind of our viewpoint character. Um, I think this goes just below that. I, uh, something's wrong with my document here. Steven, can you read what that is at 162? You monster. Ugh. All right. Well, I'm only, having technical we, issues. We it's are not recording this before Christmas. And that's the only reason. Yes. The search <clears throat> for eternity. <laughs> Yay. Although I got him, it's, it's a, a Christmas, Christmas miracle. miracle. <laughs> I cannot remember the last time that we actually had that joke come up on the podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. It's evergreen, like a Christmas tree. That, so, I would probably put it above 163, which is, that's the killing season was, I believe, that uh, Shanna the She-Devil story. Yeah. This was better than that, but... Not much, so I would probably keep this beneath the search for eternity. That's my vote, it. would be at 163. 
What well, you? I didn't catch that. You no, I'm not <laughs> doing it again. But Aldo didn't get one for him. Yeah, where's you guys mine? Have to, you guys have to split it. <laughs> Budget is tight <laughs> this year. This is the worst Christmas. She's dead. <laughs> oh. Anyway, that's my vote. Uh, one sixty-three. Uh, okay, Ebenezer Stephen. I second that vote. That's fine by me too. Okay. John, have you picked the one shot yet? Yeah. Um, there's a cloak and dagger. We can read a cloak and dagger. I I was trying to find a runaways. There's not. But you know what there is? Um, there's a cloak and dagger one shot. Because in searching for a good runaways one shot, I didn't find one because they don't really have one. But they they did Marvel Unlimited say, well, uh, if they like runaways. Uh, cloak and dagger pop up in a runaways once <laughs> and then i got and then i went down the cloak and dagger rabbit hole like okay that's a character we haven't featured very much maybe there's something we can look at there and there is so cloak and dagger from um 2010 it's called cloak and dagger and um it's just the one issue it's not two other cloak and dagger single issues that are like 60 pages this one's 33 um, written by Stuart Moore, penciled by Mark, Spro- Mark Brooks. And uh, I thought that we could read that as well as other single issues that you gentlemen have come up with. So I want to read some Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil, the original Daredevil numbering, uh, number 191, is, I believe, a follow-up to the Death of Elektra story. Uh, Daredevil... Meets up with Bullseye, and they have a confrontation. That this is supposed to be a really good comic. Never read it. It's been on my list for years. I figure this is a, a good time to try to capture that. And then Aldo, what are you bringing to the table? Yeah, and I'm I'm bringing to the table Amazing Spider-Man and Hookie, which is a book from the '80s. And it's Spider-Man who has to go into a magic realm filled with monsters to help a witch who looks like she's 12 years old. But the biggest reason why I picked this book is because it is the art is done by Bernie Wrightson, who is a pretty prolific horror artist. And he I don't think he'd ever really done much for Marvel, now that I think about it. I don't think he's ever done anything apart from this. Um, but it should be quite interesting. Yeah. I love Bernie Wrightson. There is a, uh, I think who was it? Was it Dark Horse? I think it was Dark Horse would release like those giant oversized single issue books. Like the ones that are like maybe like a foot and a half or maybe two feet tall. Like, I don't know if you guys ever saw those giant single issues. I have one of those somewhere in storage, I believe. That is his Frankenstein book, and the art is fantastic. Like, you know that part that we like about Frank Cho, where he does a lot of those line art pen sketches that look really cool, just without color. Uh, imagine, mm-hmm. imagine that like dialed up to eleven, just all the time. Oh, Dope. he is the guy who co-created Swamp Thing. That's why I've heard his name. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, I know that name, but I don't know why. That's that's gotta be it. Yeah. He's done a lot of stuff for Marvel, it looks like. Uh, definitely did more for DC. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. I, in my head, it's like, no, he's got to have done a Hellboy book or something. He has not done a Hellboy book. At least not according to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
which the nowadays is more authoritative than than a lot of other sources that could be used. Yeah, I remember back in the day, everybody was like, "Don't use Wikipedia. Anybody can edit that." But nowadays, I think they have a pretty strict like review process for stuff. Like, uh, I mean, you can anybody can go and edit it, but stuff has to get approved by like a bunch of people. And then if you are constantly putting in fake information or things like that, or providing stuff without a source nowadays. Like, your IP can get banned. So, like, nowadays, serial repeaters. Yeah. Heck, so when I was in college, which, unfortunately, was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, sorry about time marching on. Yeah. <laughs> I accept your apology for the causal relationship that you have with the progression of time. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm the one pushing the planet to make it spin. It was you. <laughs> But no, when I was in college, I worked as a research librarian and I taught classes on information literacy. And to Sorry, sorry ladies, Stephen's married. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. But sorry, anyway, did you push up your glasses before or after that sentence? Uh, <laughs> during. Uh-huh. Uh, but I would give presentations on like how to do good research. And as a, like, illustration of why Wikipedia was a bad source, I went in and edited the Batman page and, like, sabotaged it. And the thing is, the Wikipedia moderators or whoever identified that the edit came from this IP address. And anytime you logged into Wikipedia on that computer, you got a message that said, we've detected unauthorized edits you know like inappropriate edits originating from this site and if that happens again your ability to edit wikipedia will be completely shut off and that was in like 2008 so i was graduating from high school that year Oof, gosh that hurts yeah <laughs> long time ago but again blame john for that that's his fault <laughs> yeah hey look gotta keep moving gotta keep moving like a shark <laughs> Like a nurse shark swimming along the bottom of the ocean, hitting little wavy patterns so you don't drown. Baby shark. <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> I think we'll go out on baby shark. Right. That's the note we're going out on? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>